Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Runners World podcast, the weekly podcast bringing you all the latest news, views and interviews. I'm Ben Hobson, the Runners World digital editor, and I'm here with Andy Dixon, the editor, and Joe Mackey, the deputy editor. And this week we are chatting all things sub two. So without further ado, let's get into it. Gentlemen, a monumental thing has happened. A man ran very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Along a road. Along a road. Now, what we're talking about, obviously, is the Ineos 159 Challenge, which saw Elib Kipchoge and 40-odd pacers circumnavigate a course around Vienna in 1 hour 59 minutes and 40 seconds. It's quite a thing. It was... Well, it's amazing and it's historic and everyone's talking about it and uh yeah it's incredible i think we should that that's what i want to put out there right at the top mm. and then we can drill down and say but but what about this <laughs> but, what? but what about that this that and the other i think we all agree that it's just incredible everyone's talking about marathon running and running in general um barack obama's tweeting um about Elliot kipchoge my wife's talking to me about marathon running. She's not interested in it at all, generally. So I think that the top line summary is it's great. Yeah, I think the the greater impact, and as you say, before we drill down into sort of like the ifs and buts, the greater impact on the appearance of running, perhaps, especially at a time like this when it's, you know, the only news is often bad news. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice that there is a perception now of of not just success, but actually like it's tied in now with human endeavour. Like and that's all. That's what running is appearing as now in the news. I think I've got this theory about Kipchoge, uh, 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 and he makes he's such an amazing runner that he makes everything look easy. His gait is so smooth. He, you know, when he starts to struggle, he starts smiling. People, other people start grimacing, and I kind of think that if he made things look more difficult, (laughs) like if he ran like Zatopek, for instance. (laughs) Uh, and people could really see, oh, my God, he's struggling. He's got pain etched on every fibre of his being. Yeah. People would say, all oh, right, that that actually what he did is phenomenal and a real hard effort. But it's because he makes it look so easy. People are saying, well, yeah, that, well, he just was strolling. But you only have to look at Mo Farah yesterday in the, in the Chicago Marathon. You know, really struggling, mm. said he was in peak condition, finishing eighth. Uh, to know that marathon running at that speed and that level is incredibly hard. And we can talk about how he was assisted by mm. the various things that were built in his favour. But at the core of, of this achievement and what should be celebrated is, is like he said, this human endeavour and what the limits of what are possible. And I think that, that is amazing and, and I'm inspired by that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Joe, you, you actually Monza for the, for the, for the breaking two effort. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I was lucky enough to be out there um, for the original breaking two effort, where he missed out by just uh, twenty six seconds. Did you? Um, 
did you see any great comparable like can you see the, the differences when you like catching up on it now and all the sort of like the learnings and how obvious they were well one thing that certainly remains the same is, is the point Andy just picked up on um, and there's something that I was totally struck by by seeing it live at Monza mm. just what an incredible sight it is to see Elliot Kipchoge in full slow mm. I mean you really are for all the technology and all the maximizing of those kind of variables what we're really seeing here is a human machine if you like yeah. who I, I just don't see I mean they say there's no perfect way to run that's not been discovered yet but I'd sort of argue against that in a way when you watch Elliot Kipchoge in full flow. Mm. I mean, what you're seeing, whatever the shoes might have had an impact, the conditions were great, the course was great. But I think what you're really witnessing is is somebody moving in a way that's the absolute optimum that a human being can move. And that is very inspiring in itself, I think. I think that the argument as well that's sort of been touted a little bit is that <clears throat> um, the, all, the, all the contributing factors, the assisting factors, are the things that kind of like allow this, this to happen, which you can't necessarily disagree with. But the counterpoint is that if you gave some another elite all the assets, would they be able to do it? For sure. And, and that's where I think Kipchoge... Okay, he was, he was doing this, as a, well, apart from the pacemakers, who has been very quick to credit as being part of the effort, mm. um, which is very in keeping with the man, I think. Mm. Um, there was no one else doing it with him. And that that's a big difference from the breaking two attempts in Monza when it's kind of become a bit of a footnote that there were actually three of them yeah. going for that. And Kipchoge was so far ahead of another two, you know, very promising, um, very talented athletes that that kind of showed you that he <laughs> he's the optimum yeah. human machine for this. Yeah, I mean, I think on on, on current form, the only other athlete who might be capable of, of doing it is Bekele. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, I think Kipchoge has, has got a great defense against naysayers, uh, you know, who are saying, well, the course and the shoes and he, he's the owner of the world record as yeah. well. So he can say, well, he's undoubtedly the best marathon runner in the world um, at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's kind of a it is relevant you know the assist the, the assisting kind of factors are relevant they mm. can't be discounted um but they should just be they should put, be put in the right context of just a, a superhuman effort that yeah. will rightly be remembered down the decades well maybe let's talk about those then because as we need to sort of strike off this end of the glorifying of Elliot Kipchoge <laughs> and talk about everything else so I think that the great difference, again, from the Monza attempt was, and he's, he, he referenced it as well, is the crowd. So obviously Monza was run in front of a very limited audience, mainly Nike employees and some press. So this time was obviously a, a spectacle. Yeah. Uh, and anyone who's run any race will know that a crowd is a great motivator. So, you know, first of all, an attribute or a, a setting certainly that is relevant to any race scenario. So I don't think that can be only celebrated in terms of uh, an added extra to the event. It wasn't something that I don't think, much like the, the tech is questionable, I think having a crowd is just a normal thing. Yeah, I mean, I think from the first-hand experience of being at Monza, mm. um, it was, although it was an sort of incredible event which was being covered all over the world, it had a slightly odd feel in some ways because it did feel almost like a behind-closed-doors affair. Yeah. And there was a strip of probably 400 metres by the kind of start-and-finish line on that racetrack where Formula One racetrack, not, not, a, not a, an oval running track, um, where there were people from Nike, people from the project, um, journalists, 
um, from all over the world and there was a group a few groups of kind of running crews who'd been invited out there by Nike which were which giving a decent atmosphere in that small part of the course mm. but then for a lot of the course he was running particularly later on when the other two guys were a long way behind or had dropped out he was running basically on his own in a, a kind of quiet you know training run scenario and he was quick to pick up on it and Paula Radcliffe also in the the kind of post event interviews that Monza picked up on it um that crowds can make a difference and, yeah. sh- and she referenced the fact that she'd she'd broken her world record more well, rich later yeah. um at London rather than Berlin and she she put a lot of that down to the crowd mm. yeah I think I think the crowd is is absolutely a boosting factor but the one that's completely uncontroversial yeah uh because like you say Kipchoge's set most of his records and won most of his marathon races in front of big crowds so um but I do further to what Joe's saying absolutely it would make a difference to Monza it's like when you or I are looking for marathons to do for our PB attempts, we tend to gravitate towards ones that have big crowds. Yeah. Like I did my PB in London. Um, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to you know those difficult moments when you're marathon running. Hard to get yourself. Just easier to pull through when you've got people really pulling for you and screaming yeah. your name. So I think the crowd certainly would have had a, a beneficial effect. I think the crowd is, is a certified non-controversial <laughs> attribute. But Appro- approved. Approved, allowed. Um, so let's go on to the pacers. Now, they were they were running in a sort of flying, there was a sort of V formation, and, and they would switch in and out, and it was very precise, and, and everyone followed a, a very regimented formation. So I think from that point of view, it, it really highlights the impact that the drafting can have, I think is probably the, the biggest takeaway from that. And if it was ever under scrutiny or ever like deliberated in a race scenario, how important it was to draft. I think this is a clear example of how efficient, how amazingly efficient it can make running. Yeah. Um, but did it reduce the impact of it? What of the achievement? Yeah. Uh, no it's a difficult one yes and and no i mean i think the 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 the, the pacers stroke drafting and the shoes yeah. are the two major yeah. factors the cost to, to a kind of slightly lesser extent but still a factor the crowd's perfectly fine uh the conditions also i think it, that's fair to to want to do it in cool conditions without wind uh the pacers is is yeah, I mean, drafting, I can't remember the exact stat, but there's been laboratory research mm. on the benefits of drafting and it, and it does reduce your your energy cost by X percent. Let's say it's, let's call it one or two percent. Yeah. Add that one or two percent onto the one or two percent at the minimum that the shoes are giving you. Yeah. Then all of these, uh, and then a dead flat course, um, not really any wind, good, uh, cool conditions, mm. so you're not like overheating. All of those things together add up to a, a, a significant, yeah. uh, beneficial um, grounds for for this performance. But I, I, again, I emphasise it. You still had to run. Yeah. Um, you know, twenty six miles for thirty three per mile. That's sixty eight second. And, and you know, we, all of us, all, all I would urge all, all listeners to go out to your local track and run a sixty eight second. Uh, 400 meters and imagine doing it for a long I can't remember how many laps well, it is just under two hours I don't think <laughs> I could, yeah but, <laughs> or even try and run a 17 second 100 meters yeah. and see how that feels and then imagine trying to do 421 more of them yeah um, and you get a, a little bit of context of, of what he's done here yeah. I think 
The other thing I would say about the pace as well, it, it certainly was it is a factor that's helped him. It's certainly something they worked on. I know he was training um, with some of the paces at his training yeah. camp in Kenya, and, and some of them were his good friends um, and some great athletes on that roster as well. Um, and they worked a lot on formations. There was a dry run a couple of weeks before the event itself, which Elliot didn't go to, but it was just the paces working on their formations and handover. So I think that that definitely is something that they've maximised and probably got quite a lot of learnings from mm. the breaking two attempts at Monza. Um, but just to give it a little bit of context, in case we're thinking this undermines it in some major way, um, when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, he was working with, with paces in a, in a non-record legal way yeah. on, on that day as well. And I don't think anyone really looks back and think that greatly diminished no. that achievement which also wasn't an open competition yeah. which yeah. made it non-record legal you know it's there are parallels between the two I mean he didn't quite have the shoe technology yeah. that Elliot yeah. was running with um, also at previous legitimate world records like um, Hailey's world records in, in Berlin yep. uh, they've all been run with pacemakers yeah. um, Paula's existing pre-existing world record before yesterday uh, she ran that in London with with pacemakers, and there was some controversy at the time about that, about whether that made it uh, less, more or less um, acceptable. So, uh, yes, pacemakers absolutely a factor, but but yeah, mm. uh, I would say just about acceptable. Yeah. It's the idea of rotating pacemakers that contravenes the rules. But I mean, you, this is not something that you would look at and think, oh yeah, obviously it should be illegal if it's with rotating pacemakers. I mean, the idea of pacemakers in any scenario is to help the race be run faster and yeah. help the athletes. The fact that in open competition you're not allowed to rotate paces in and out, yeah. you know, that rule could change and maybe some would argue should change. Why not have rotating pacemakers in marathon competition as well yeah. if you want to see fast time? Before we get into that, we should talk shoes. Shoes, yeah. Shoeage. The big one. Um, so, yeah, he was wearing the Nike... Oh, oh sorry, a version of the Nike uh, Vaporfly Next Percent. Yes. Unnamed uh, at the moment. Yes. It's kind of d- different. We've we've seen the, the, the Next Percent carries, um, tested it. Uh, it, it. It's called so-called, just in case anyone's not aware of the shoe, it's so-called because it offers... The previous version was called the 4%. That was thought... To, according to Nike's lab studies, to offer a 4% performance benefit. Mm. Uh, the next percent was what was 5%, I think. Yeah. We might assume that this new revamp version, which has got air pockets in the in the midsole, could offer even more. So it, a lot of people talking about the shoes in the, in the wake of the attempt, and there's no doubt that it offers um, significant performance benefits i mean yeah. even if you take the kind of the bottom of the ballpark estimations about what performance benefits it offers if it's like one or two percent that's still a minute a minute or a minute well, plus the, 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 the mean the, the major the times speak volumes really and i mean i'm not talking about this record i'm talking about marathon times since these shoes became commonplace we've seen minutes fall off records yeah. so i think that it's this challenge and this attempt to run sub two isn't the first point and probably won't be the last point where this shoe innovation is going to make a massive difference. So I don't feel like uh, lambasting the shoe for its impact on this record is particularly important. I know it's, it is important because it's 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 you know it can be seen as a perhaps an unfair advantage, but at the same time, 
shoes they're only getting faster yeah. so i don't see how i mean until i mean I, I think until something changes you're right it's got to be seen as something that's it's not breaking any rules no. they just happen to be very fast shoes I and mean, we might be looking back in a few years to a similar scenario you had in swimming yeah yeah, I don't know if you remember the, the speed Speedo. suits yeah, that yeah. came in for, I think they were in for one or two Olympics. Yeah. And I'm, not, I'm not a swimming expert, but all the records were smashed because these things were, were quite obviously giving an advantage. But at the time they were legal, so the records stood. But then you had a retrospective, view, different view taken and they were taken out of the equation. Yeah. Um, but until that happens, I think you've just got to say, this is this is all fair game, it's within yeah. the rules. Yeah, mm. Everyone's always looking to maximise fine marginal gains in their, in their equipment and yeah well apparently um i was reading a, a report uh of the weekend's uh efforts uh, apparently the iwf rulebook does say that and i quote shoes not must not be constructed so as to give athletes any unfair assistance or advantage and any type of shoe used must be reasonably available to all in the spirit of the universality of athletics and i think by that if you strictly apply that rule you would say that these shoes aren't yeah <laughs> aren't legal yeah, yeah. but it seems apparently sebco is quite sanguine about um about these shoes and i think i think what we'll see is uh other brands uh just racing to catch up and i think in a year or two all elite marathon runners will be running in shoes with carbon plates in in the soles well Everyone. i mean hokers is a, is a good example yeah. their, their project x which is a i think probably the nearest it's, it's not comparable in the fact that it's a heavier shoe and all those but it's the nearest performance shoe that actually works well in terms of having carbon plate in it i know there's some other ones that have probably come and gone unnoticed because they're not particularly that good but um yeah i think you're right i think that people will learn and, and it's just it's not going to be a oh this is bad this is everyone we need to we need to get on board with it rather yeah. than anything else until they, as you say the iaaf perhaps look back at their rules and go oh no we got it wrong yeah, yeah and there we go very difficult for the IAAF to say these shoes aren't legal and because yeah. then you just open up a huge can of worms about what and what is acceptable in terms of performance benefit you yeah. know sprint spikes uh, the whole literally every piece of sporting equipment would then be under scrutiny yeah you know how bendy is your um, is your pole vault pole Do you know what I mean and I just think that that yes at the moment People who are wearing these shoes absolutely do have an advantage over others, but I think it's it's up to the rest of the shoe brands and the rest of the market to catch up yeah. rather than for Nike to, to come back. Yeah, and I think that, that point is key. Um, if some athletes are wearing these shoes and some athletes aren't in competition, then that's obviously potentially a problem because they're not, you know, they're not racing the same race in a way. Yeah. Um, but in this scenario with, with um, Kipchoge at the weekend, there's no other athletes involved. It's not like he's taking an Olympic gold yeah. from some, you know, against somebody else who's not wearing the same shoes as him. So I don't think it doesn't seem to me the right thing to do to focus too much on that yeah. at the moment. I think this is, a, as Andy said before, this is a fantastic thing that happened. It's a great event. Yeah, yeah. Got loads of people talking about running. Got running on the front pages, and he's quite, you know, he's an extremely inspiring athlete and person. I think. Yeah. And I think. It, <laughs> In a time when there are a lot of negative stories in the press, not just in running but in sport generally, this is something we really should celebrate. Oh yeah, definitely, I agree. And I think that the person we're talking about his character—not we've talked about him as an athlete—but I think his character is is also part of what 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 adds to the charm of the whole event. I think um, 
the way he handles himself, his post, his like he's fin- he's crossed the finish line, and his first few words are sort of to thank the crowd for coming out and things like that. You know, it's his gestures and his his sort of sense of encouraging all. I think is what really um, reaches beyond any sort of time and an effort and an, and, a, and a record. It's it's a sort of a he's a principal character that you can sort of really want to uh, admire. Totally, I, I think you know you look at. I've never met him, but I. <laughs> just get the sense that he's just a really cool guy he's sincere uh his message which in other in the you know mouths of others could be seen as a, yeah it's just a catchphrase but his no human is limited mm-hmm. quote which was the kind of hashtag for the attempt actually when you look at him he, i do feel inspired you know i'm not, obviously not to run sub two but yes i'm thinking god it would be great to run you know to really train and target a pb in the marathon again um and I think that, that that everyone will take something away from that um, message. You look at him and you just, you can't imagine he's, you know, whenever someone runs fast in yeah. running, unfortunately, this is the the world we live in. People say, well, are they doping? I don't think anyone thinks that of, of, of Kipchoge. He's, mm. he, he just has got this. I'm sure some know, cynics do. Well, probably, <laughs> yeah. probably. Uh, but I just think he, he just oozes uh, integrity yeah. and honesty um and and inspiration um i mean i was just i mentioned barack obama was tweeting about his attempts um he he said staggering achievements on their own they're also remarkable uh, also cosguy remarkable examples of humanity's ability to endure and to keep raising the bar that's from the former president of the united states and kipchoge replied dear mr obama thank you for your special words in life we hope to inspire others Thank you for inspiring me. It would be my greatest honour if we could meet and discuss how we can make this world a running world, as a running world is a peaceful world. I mean, that just mad, sends it? a shiver down yeah. my spine because that's like all of us who work on Runners World, we believe in the power of running, and and that and he's talking to Barack Obama about how running can change the world, and I think, yeah, I mean, he is just a, a massive, massive hero <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is it i don't you wouldn't i don't think there's a com uh an elite at the moment comparable who 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 talks like that who yeah. behaves in that way and i think that's what sets him apart perhaps more than his running sometimes yeah i think he's he's an unusual sportsman in today's world when you have a lot of sportsmen i'm not going to mention any sports in particular they're high profile you get paid a lot of money and they, they talk about the fact that they never signed up to be role models and that's not part of their job which is, to a certain extent, fair enough. You know, you can understand that. But I think Kipchoge has a great sense of the opportunity um, he has to influence the world, I guess, in a positive way yeah. um, through the exposure he has and things he can achieve. And I think that's part of what drives him. Do you think that this is still his greatest running achievement? So if I perhaps go give you a list. Yeah. So we can have this, the Ineos 159 Challenge. I'm going to add breaking two to the mix because it was the first attempt at such a thing and it really just it kind of set the world alight perhaps more in a way of just what is possible and kind of like it lit the touch paper that then led to this his world record in Berlin yeah. um, Olympic gold in Rio or going all the way back to 2003 his 5000 metre world cup gold Mm, not that, not that. <laughs> I would say. I I would say, in terms of the pressure and the import and the effect, then for sure it's it's his greatest running achievement. 
if you wanted to be kind of physiological about it you might argue that his marathon world record mm-hmm. in berlin yep. was a purer athletic effort because berlin hadn't been set up yeah to f- to to give him the maximum advantage and actually if you look at his time it's less maybe less than two percent slower than what mm-hmm. he ran on saturday and he was doing that without rotating pacemakers um on a different course that wasn't optimized mm. the weather was what the weather was yeah the yep. weather was just what it was uh so i would split the two up but i think in terms of the import and you know it, it, he's probably feeling quite pressurized when he when he woke up on saturday morning yeah. the eyes of the world on him he managed to just uh, execute i think the the par the parlances mm. so I, I would yeah i mean you'd probably have to say this one well, I think it's interesting that he himself, post Monza, having not managed to, to do it, not managed to break um, two, um, was very upbeat in his interviews. And he actually said in the interviews afterwards, in the press conferences, that he regarded that at the time as his greatest achievement. Right. Part of that was that it had given him the belief, I think, which has been a very big factor in this, the belief that he could do it. Yeah. Um, and he, he was talking about it's taken a while to come to fruition but he was talking then but it wasn't the end of the story so you almost have to see these two performances breaking to at Monza on on, uh, the weekend together I think it was part of a a kind of two stage journey that needed to happen for him and absolutely and I think he you know he he said before um, Saturday that this was more important to him than anything else any of the medals because of the scope and the influence he thought it could have that it would go beyond running beyond athletics beyond sport hopefully and show people in all walks of life that if you kind of work hard and believe you can achieve things that have been regarded and it this was regarded as not possible a few years ago mm. i mean it seemed fairly easy and people were fairly confident he was going to do it at the weekend but certainly pre-breaking to monza most people most people you know in the know were saying it's just not possible yeah yeah, I I just think it'd be interesting to see. I mean, this will this will always be in the history books. I think it'd be interesting to to see what the effect is when the sub two mark, and it will be just a question of when the sub two mark is broken in a in a yeah. in a legitimate race environment, i.e., the world records broken. To see how people think of that, what you know, I'm assuming it won't be Kipchoge because I can't see it happening in the next five mm. five years or so uh how people how people you know think of that mm. uh, compared to this but do you does has this has this record and this event now changed your mind i mean perhaps before you thought it was totally going to happen anyway but do you now see that it's an inevitability that someone will run a sub two marathon in a race whereas beforehand were you ever sort of like oh no maybe not i, I think it was always possible because i've read um read yeah. a book about it <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's um, called two hours i recommend it ed caesar and uh, there's lots of physiological kind of research that showed that it it could be done yeah i think the optimum i think the optimal figure is something like 157 58 or 158 was, yeah. something like that so i think it was always a question of when but for sure the timeline the previous timeline before like five or ten years ago was some sometime in the 2030s or something and now i don't think it'll be that long no uh in a race environment we're talking 
five or ten years well you think probably the generation who've watched that now not my son who i will tell everyone <laughs> while i was when we put this on within 30 seconds seconds of watching it announced that this is boring <laughs> nothing like the honesty of a three-year-old but i think the future generations you say you know you've got if that's their sporting hero who they've seen as a 10 year old now that's the benchmark that they've seen as possible then there's absolutely no denying that that's not going to be the thing that they strive towards. It's, it's, it's sort of, it yeah. makes sense to them, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, they've shown the way and that people believe in something that wasn't really believed in a few years ago. I still think it will be quite a while, to be honest, because, I mean, the context is, as we've been saying all through this show, um, Kipchoge is quite an exceptional athlete in absolutely peak condition. And, and he annihilated the world record in Berlin. Um, and in Berlin... The conditions were pretty much optimal in terms of the weather on the, on the fastest major course that there is, yeah. and he smashed the world record. But he was still a long way away from two hours, like seventy eight, a hundred seconds away from mm. from two hours, which you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but is quite a long way yeah. relatively in what we're talking about. So I can't see it as things stand happening that soon, personally. Um, what I think might be interesting is is how the race world sort of reacts to this, because I think. There's going to be quite a lot of prestige attached to the event where it does happen, if and when it does happen. Yeah. And will races, will there be new races that emerge that try and control some of these variables and not get quite to the same as we had in Vienna? But do you get a course and a time of year and a, a choice of location with, you know, the best possible conditions we can have? Oh, yeah. Really, with an eye of actually, can we can we push this faster and faster? Will existing races look at their courses? Will they look at even the time of year that they run? to try and win when it's a bit cooler, less humid, anything like that. I don't know. That would be interesting to see. Any other thoughts? The only other interesting thing I, I saw was that they um, they resurfaced the Broad in oh, August. Yeah. Apparently it cost 15 million quid. Um, well, this raises a bigger topic. We'll get back to the road, but the cost of this whole endeavour. Yeah. I've not seen any figures touted. Uh, I, I reckon it's going to be... The road alone costs 15 million. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I saw a figure that it was 19 million that Ineos spent. Right. I'm assuming that 15 million was spent by Vienna City Council yeah. rather than the, the, the Ineos part of it. So, it, yeah, it, it didn't come cheap. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a, bin- a big benefit to Ineos, uh, for R&D sure. R&D on the shoe is probably pretty intense. Yeah. But again, they'll sell units, so it's worth it in the long run. You know, yeah. so, but you see, I mean, it's it's the cost of of of, of reaching arbitrary times. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> meaningful times. Sorry, the the cost of reaching incredibly <laughs> meaningful times. But um, no, I think you're right. It's nice that you've got. I think it's interesting to put a try and put a figure on it. But mm. that's the cost of uh, evolution. I also like the idea that if uh, that, that city councils now, if you've got a really knackered stretch of road with loads of potholes in it, you Anyone? just sit, invite Kipchoge <laughs> to come. All right, we've got to put a smooth, a smooth top on that. The high streets everywhere <laughs> across the world will be done. Yeah, yeah. If he tried to run on my commute into work, he would have broken his ankle <laughs> in an enormous pothole within the first four hundred meters. Filled with rainwater. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Haringo. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, gents, thanks so much. Onwards and upwards, I say, for the running world. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So, we talked a little bit about the Kipchoge effect and what it might do for future racing. But um, it was there was a pretty immediate effect. The women's marathon time, world record time, was smashed. Absolutely obliterated um, yesterday by Bridget Koskai in Chicago. Uh, she took 81 seconds off uh, the previous mark, which Paula Radcliffe set in London in 2003. She ran 2.14.04. Mm. Uh, all I can say is poor Bridget Koskai. Yeah. <laughs> if she'd have run this uh, time in any other weekend of the year, this would have been um well it is it is front page news but it would have been front 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 page running news as it is it's kind of been overshadowed yeah. by um Kipchoge and, and sub 2 but actually i mean a 16 year old world record and she didn't just take 5 or 10 seconds off she absolutely smashed it yeah um and i mean this is this is one for the debating societies out there yeah i mean you could argue that this in, in terms of athletic achievement, w- w- was superior to yeah. Kipchoge's run. Uh, she had two paces, just two, for two paces, running in a race. Um, apparently, it was a you know quite, quite a little bit breezy. Yeah. Um, so all of the factors that we were talking about being aligned behind sub t- the sub two attempt, she didn't have any of that apart from two paces. Uh, I mean, amazing, an amazing effort, um, and yeah, it deserves huge huge uh appreciation for yeah. us um yeah i mean she's so she's a very talented runner she's 25 this was four over four minutes off her pb that she just set five months ago in london that's a that's a steep incline of improvement yeah it's it's well four minutes is kind of like you know it's what it, when i was trying to run pbs you'd be like right you could take big chunks out when you first start off yeah and then as I approached sub three, or it was like, right, four minutes. It's diminishing returns. It's like four minutes. That's quite, yeah. Four minutes as an elite is... is it's vast. It's a chasm. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah i mean amazing uh incredible obviously uh people are talking about uh there's some suspicion unfortunately that's where athletics is yeah. at the moment um it, we're in a, a world where any amazing advances in times or progression are viewed with suspicion um and that's a shame and i suppose the, the fact that uh her coaches coach other athletes yeah. who have been caught out for, for doping violations uh people would put two and two together but i think it's all we can do in any of these environments in these situations is 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 like in a court <laughs> people are innocent until proven guilty yeah. i'd like to think that this is just a, a, as a result of her being an amazing runner who's trained hard um and she deserves our congratulations and and um interestingly she did decide to run it in in the nike vaporfly next percent mm. so the shoes are coming back into it again but hey i mean i think she deserves all the compliments and credit in the world yeah for sure i mean i think there's this she set off the, the pace when they, she started running they were on like a, a, a two hour 10 minute pace yeah like a, to begin with i mean that's phenomenal and that's i kind of she feels that for for, for female athletes that's that's the goal yeah yeah she said i think 210 is possible for a mm. for a lady um that was her words yeah. not mine um so yeah i mean again it's 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 inspirational isn't it because other other leading female elites will now be saying well yeah um what, what 214 now that that's that becomes the kind of the the, the space race for, for women's elite marathon running and yeah. and who knows maybe there'll be uh you know, maybe there'll be kind of big incentives and big, you know, sense of expectation as the women's world record comes down because actually the women's world record has been the same for 16 years. And yeah. and, and that, I think, has an effect on people's interest in, in that side of yeah, yeah. the sport. You know, oh, it's Paula's and there's no new talent coming up. And suddenly, bosh, there is new talent and here's a new star who I think she could run faster. Well, sure. I'd love to see... All the assets from Ineos given to a female athlete. Yeah. And just to see what they could do. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. That would be amazing. Mm. So there we go. Jim. <laughs> That's his name, isn't it? <laughs> Jim Ratcliffe. Jim Ratcliffe. Over to you. Big Jim, step up, please. <laughs> Get your credit card out. Away we go. Yeah, Britain's richest man. Yeah. Get your checkbook out. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's, it was a it was a, a phenomenal achievement that shouldn't be overshadowed by uh, by anything. And those two races or performances taken together, I think you, you can't really argue that it was probably the best weekend for marathon running oh. in history. You know, yeah. it's just two stellar, epoch-defining performances happening twenty-four hours apart. Yeah, definitely. No, it was it was phenomenal, and I think that the uh, the inspirational power. It will be felt for a while. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go out and run a PB. Good. Around my park loop. <laughs> Good. Later on. We'll, we'll, we'll put a Strava run up and see if you actually <laughs> did it. <laughs> Try and do an effort. Try and do a Kipchoge effort. Oh, what, as a segment? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could run a... Honestly, don't think I could run a 68-second 400 metres at the moment. Maybe one, one flat out. I'm going to try. I'm going to try this week. Right, you heard it here first. Exclusive. This is the Runner's World Podcast. 
So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. I'd like to say a huge thanks to the team, Andy Dixon and Joe Mackey, and to Number 8 Studios in Soho, where this was recorded. For more news, reviews, interviews and much more, head over to runnersworld.com forward slash UK. Please like and subscribe on iTunes and thanks to Acast, our hosting partner. Thanks for listening and see you next week.